Welcome back, Panic folks. You're watching another episode of Panicdotes Podcast that holds down for the underground sound here in Ontario, Canada. And I'm your host, Phil Paxton. Thank you for joining me today. We got a good one for you. I'm super stoked about these guests. Before we get into it, though, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment down below. Follow us on our Instagram, at Panicdotes. That's where we do all their clips and updates and all fun stuff that we're doing there. Go check it out there, please. It'd be a big help for me. Make sure you're doing that for me. Let's get into some shows. There's some awesome shows happening here in Ontario, and I'm here to tell you all about them. This Friday, if you're in Toronto, go check out my friends Loose Teeth. They're playing at Hard Luck, and that's for their Wormwood release, and that's with our friends in Rust, Still Numb, and Strangeland. That's going to be a great time. If you're in Hamilton that night, go check out my friends in Rules. They're playing with the almighty Trigger Happy, Choices Made, Dragged In, and Cold Tongue. And that's at the Casbah. Saturday, April 16th, in Hamilton at the Doors Pub, we get the Gavel EP release. That's exciting shit. Presented by Off Leash, Heaven, we got Gavel playing, obviously, we got Mile End, Die Alone, and Still Numb. That's going to be a hell of a time. If you're in Toronto that night, though, we got beer bash happening and that's with omnivert chainfall death perception please stand by dawn valley detest angry spells effects may vary on deaf ears and dead roots that's presented by tarantula tapes and minerva cannabis in st Catharines that night we do have foolproof and we got our friends and heart attack kids opening up that show right on sunday april 17th niagara metal presents day glow abortions Random Killing, The Nasties, and The Electric Dead at Taps Brew House in Niagara Falls. In Waterloo that night, we got Bad Egg Hunt with Hex Offender, The Rotten, Ischemic, and Cerberus at Revive Game Bar. Friday, April 22nd, in Guelph, we have Frank Ducks, All But Six, Pep Talk, and Suplex City. In Toronto that night, we have Girth with their video release show at the Vovine with Oakrest and Mellow Honey. Saturday, April 23rd in Toronto, we have a free show at the Bovine with Choices Made, Mall Crimes, The Slime, and The Holdouts. The following day, Sunday, April 24th, in Barrie, we have School Damage, The Readies, The Holdouts, and that's at Infinity Zero, aka Ask Punk, if you don't know where that's at. In Hamilton that night, we got Blissfields, Herd of Elk, Casey Baker, Neon Cowboy. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. Friday, April 29th, we have Faster Louder Records Presents, AVEM, Speed Humps, Mind Counts, and Dave Rocket and the Jobbers, and that's in London at Richmond Tavern. Saturday, April 30th, in Hamilton at the Kill Room, we have Hostage, Scabs Off, Postpartum, New Anthem, Lil Perms, Nails, Grim, all cool stuff happening there that's like a hardcore rap show going on definitely go check that out if you're interested in that in guelph at the jimmy jazz that night we have dominion saf prior convictions and later rest and again this is quite a bit a ways from now but september 9th and 10th in mississauga at hansa house we got damage control and solace music presents hold your ground fest 22 that's going to be an unstoppable time we got never-ending game mind force Pain of Truth, Dare, Momentum, Gridiron, Cohesion, Cold Shoulder, Endgame, Mile End, 
Wow, and many, 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 many more. Get your tickets at holdyourgroundfest.com. Wow, folks, lots of cool stuff happening in uh, in Ontario. If you've got shows coming up in May, send me your flyer, send me it, give me all the details, and uh, we'll do it on the next episode. We'll talk about some May shows that are coming up. Heck yes. All right, let's get into this episode. We have Casey Baker and Mike DeSilva, and they both played together in an iconic band called Sleeper Set Sail when I was growing up, and I actually saw these folks several times, and I'm so excited that I got them on this show. This was kind of a big deal for me. You know, Casey's been around the block. He played with the Buffalo Sinners. He also played with City and Color for a bit, and uh, now he's back doing his own thing, as you heard in one of the shows that we've just mentioned. He's under the name Casey Baker Neon Cowboy. Mike DeSilva has started this production, like a studio, uh, where it's uh, uh, Particle Sound, and uh, they're working together again, and uh, they've kind of rekindled their relationship, their friendship, and uh, it's been really cool to watch it kind of unfold right on the show. This was a really good episode. I'm super stoked about it. All right, enough rambling from me. Let's get into it. James was known for being brave So he took his old man on an adventure Aboard a wooden pirate ship With sails of blue and orange Their women left back home Weather out at sea was unforgiving The waves were reaching high into the sky wind was tearing through the sails With lightning in their veins They persevered into the storm There's a, a big giant rainstorm uh, We have to try to not let our ship sink um, We land on a desert island A foggy desert island in the sand Washed up upon a foggy desert island With treasure maps unfolded Shovels slung across their backs Searching for a cave Across a bridge of rope and through a maze Jungle brush and booby traps and monsters Found their destination dark mouth of a cave and they descended to the bottom and then there's sun shining we go to find a cave in the jungle And snakes, their hands would shake while gripping to the walls. They knew if they should fall, they'll lose it all. Can't drop into the lava. If we should make it back home, we have got to make it out of here alive with the treasure that we find. Out of here alive with the treasure that we find. 
Wesley James was known for being brave He asked his old man, what's our next adventure? Welcome back, Bannock folks. You're watching another episode of Bannock Dotes, a podcast that holds it down for the underground sound. The t-shirt of the week this week, we got Big School. They're a band from Welland. Uh, I don't know if they're still active. Uh, I haven't seen, you know, pandemic's taken a lot of bands, but... Uh, I think they're still jamming. And then my guests this week, we've got Mike De Silva and Casey Baker. How are you folks doing today? Awesome. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Now, you guys have been working hard in the industry for quite a while. I mean, like, you guys played in a band in the early 2000s, kind of did your own things and then your own projects, but you finally guys are back together. You guys are working and uh, doing the whole, uh, yeah. All comes full circle. <laughs> and, uh, and now you're doing uh, Casey Baker Neon uh, Cowboy. And you've put out a couple songs of that. How did you manage to keep that momentum throughout the pandemic? Um, I think that came quite naturally uh, because it was a new project kind of being built from the ground up at that point. Uh, live live entertainment was not our first priority. So um, Mike's got a studio set up at his place and it was kind of fresh that him and I reconnected. And we were just kind of scheduling, focusing on accumulating some recordings or just basically getting together to find the sound and, and me him familiarizing with my catalog of songs that i'd been writing and us kind of trying to pursue the production that we we were going to eventually settle in on and um so we would just schedule accordingly kind of through the pandemic one-on-one -on -one in his place yeah and at that point there was no real deadlines or timelines for releases or actually crawling out from under the rock we've been living <laughs> on yet it was just about working in the background so uh that part was easy and you've been working on like your own studio for quite a while right yeah i've been doing all sorts of different stuff and mostly focusing on production and engineering and stuff the last several years which uh is really cool of course i miss the good old get out on the road and play rock gigs days but i mean that's the one thing no one talks about with the pandemic and stuff is it didn't slow me down. I'm in a home studio. Like it's yeah. actually had more time than ever to be working in there. Yeah. Which is kind of a double-edged sword because living where your studio is and you're constantly feel like an obligation yeah. to, and you got nothing else to do. There's no, not, nowhere else to go or anything. <laughs> but I think we uh, accomplished a lot during the pandemic. It was, it's been such an incredible experience to reconnect with Mike. Uh, you know, we'd met as teenagers and uh, Sleeper Set Sail was the project. Mm -hmm. And um, we went on to have a, a record contract with Sonic Onion, an indie label out of Hamilton. Um, they hooked us up with, um, like, you know, studio budget, which we ended up using at Silo Studios, which was um, a producer named Julius Buddy, who had previously recorded Alexis on Fire and Jude the Obscure. Oh, and cool. We did, you know, a full length album at his studio. Unbelievable experience. From there, we had booking agents. We did 
tours through parts of the U.S. and across most of Canada, and we played one uh, stage on Warp Tour. Oh, really? Um, we did ExoFest in Quebec City. We did some East Coast stuff. We did uh, College Music Radio Festival in New York City. We had like wow. a really good run. Yeah. And it ended kind of abruptly. Um, it was a, it was a hard commitment, and at the time, Mike decided he didn't want to continue. And that kind of led to the dismemberment of Sleeper Set Sail. Right. And for the greater 10 to 12 years, Mike and I were not in touch. We were estranged. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say we were enemies, but we never really had the conversation to say what happened. Yeah. What went wrong. And uh, I've moved on from there to do Casey Baker and the Buffalo Sinners. That's right. I spent some time uh, as a touring member of City and Color. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, I did... Um, the, the Sinners went on to have a, a record deal with Dine Alone. Nice. And then the kind of same old thing, booking agent. We I almost got to re- repeat that experience and build back to where I was. Yeah. And then um, that kind of ended. And when that ended, I went kind of under a ride, became a bit of a recluse and kind of gave up on music and gave up on the music industry and um, got a really hectic job and had a baby and started a family and yeah. basically thought all this was behind me mm-hmm. and then um about two years ago reconnected with mike and realized that not, neither of us had hard feelings about whatever went wrong in sleeper oh right on. uh and that we were both available and had accumulated um a complementary set of skills for us to probably start working together again. <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and where i had kind of started poking around with songwriting again and he had been doing 10 years of developing studio engineering uh knowledge and technology at his fingertips yeah it you know this this um reunion has been unbelievable yeah i was gonna say now (laughs) more than ever it just makes sense right it's a perfect storm yeah yeah it's very very cool what are there some of the plans for the 2002 or 2022 now that things are kind of like slowly opening up and and it, like you guys are dropping more songs with Neon Cowboy? Yeah, uh, do you want to take that one or I'm just glad that the world is getting somewhat back to normal. <laughs> We've had a little bit of taste of like live gigs over the last year. Um myself like and people we know like it wasn't a thing and then it was lockdown out of lockdown and Mm -hmm. stuff but it was just enough to give you a taste for the live gigs again and just going to see shows and stuff so it's like super super exciting and obviously the local music scene has changed a lot but and we're older now but we found like a lot of opportunities in craft breweries and wineries and stuff like it used to just be like dirty ass clubs in a basement which was super fun but i think that whole thing's evolving too i think yeah the timing maybe it's a coincidence but we've had all this lockdown time to be in the studio we weren't really missing out on shows so the timing is kind of perfect right now that to look into that and be scheduling stuff it's actually possible now so it's super exciting uh, I think the future is bright and knock wood that we stay open for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just don't really know anymore. Um, <clears throat> from, so when we started to get back together, yeah. uh, working on things, um, it was a mutual friend who brought us together, uh, Brett Friesen, who's a local songwriter. Okay. Um, and then shortly thereafter, uh, an old contact, um, Marcel who has a stage named Adderclyffe. So, as, he's a songwriter. Um, 
came into the fold because he does visual arts. Cool. Um, so between the three songwriters and Mike as a producer, Brett Adderclyffe and Casey Baker, Neon Cowboy, kind of we were kind of hovering there, decided that with Mike kind of overseeing the audio development of each of these projects, we were going to start the record label. Yeah. Uh, where And that's where the, the particle sound came from, uh, which can be found on Instagram right now. Um, through the particle sound, we were able to get um, intertwined with the St. Catherine's da- or downtown St. Catherine's Association. Yeah. Um, and with their support last year, we partnered with the Merchant Ale House. Oh, cool. Uh, the craft brewery and launched something called the Downtown Block Party which we did last August. Yeah. Uh, it was a live concert on St. Paul Street in downtown St. Catharines. Um, we also had some support from 97.7 Hits FM. Cool. And um, yeah, that that was kind of the, the one thing that we did to kind of try to put ourselves on the map locally as, as an organization. Um, the reason I bring this up is because you asked about 2022. So as far as I know, the plans are to do a second annual uh, downtown block party yeah uh, i'm not sure yet about what partners or sponsorships are going to be involved in that um, but i know that between the particle sound and the downtown st Catharines association we will plan something yeah under that name the the downtown block party. yeah that's super exciting yeah. hopefully that definitely happens yeah yeah it was really sweet <laughs> yeah, yeah it was wildly successful um we had the support of niagara arts center um who brought what they call the papa tea mobile stage okay uh the papa t show mobile it's called it's a trailer oh i know i've seen yeah i've seen yeah. a band i've seen a band in front of uh the knack play a show there right. wild side yeah. yeah yeah so the trailer folds open and becomes a stage yeah um they've got this unbelievable sound technician kenny um oh shout out to kenny yeah yeah, yeah. uh he basically turned st paul street into a concert that's super cool and um we were super super grateful to have them you know believe in the idea yeah you know we talked about what it could have been um but um one of our you know we thought about this whole idea for the last year about um we use the hashtag very often called um local brews local tunes yeah uh, just kind of trying to bite into the idea that anybody that's interested in local homegrown drinks might be open to the idea of local homegrown music yeah um so that's why we went after the partnership with uh, the Merchant Ale House for that particular event. Mm-hmm. The stage was set up like directly across from their front door. Nice. At the corner of Queen and St. Paul. Yeah. Um, and it was because we had a partnership between them and 97.7 and downtown and the Particle Sound. Everybody put, and the Knack, everybody put in their energy into one event. We, you know, I think we had somewhere between four and 500 people show wow. up at its peak moment. You know, not to say... It was that packed from noon until sundown, but um, at, at its peak of the afternoon, we had around four or five hundred people. And uh, our headliner at the time was Jin, who are making a lot of waves locally right now. Um, and they, you know, they t- totally brought the house down. It was a super successful afternoon. So we it was just re- a fun day. Yeah, we hope to repeat that again this summer. It was super hot. Was it, it was reminiscent hot. of scene? That was the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have that anymore. No. And we started to think to ourselves, like, let's see what we can drum up here to try to just reinvigorate, if not the young crowd in Niagara, try to get that nostalgia from people like ourselves that, like, yeah. still, you know, we're, we're not at, it was a free event. It wasn't a $50 wristband. Right. It wasn't 10 stages at 10 venues over, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a two-day event. There was no car show. No. Nope. There was no, like, super heavy 
acts, which you know we would love to include, but at this stage we're kind of baby steps. Yeah. Um, it's one stage. It was five or six hours long and in and out. Um, nice. But it was it was definitely a step forward, and hopefully we can build on last year's success. And, yeah. And. and blow that out of the water this year for sure yeah. it was pretty reminiscent of scene now yeah. that you mentioned now that it. i mentioned it and yeah. it's not like even seen to me like what i like obviously you remember all the great bands you saw and all the venues and stuff but to me it was just the vibe the environment you're just downtown like it just it benefits everybody like the block party like merchant house did great like all yeah. the businesses there was traffic and stuff and that mm-hmm. was one of those you know breaks in a lockdown there was a yeah. small window of right. opportunity so that yeah. timing was good yeah, it was august and it was we that was the most or the the least amount of restrictions mm-hmm. yeah that i can remember in the last two years mm-hmm. at that little window of time so we absolutely nailed it went for it and um you know there wasn't really much regulation of anything. It was kind of just open streets, right? So, um, you know, the merchant was selling their drinks in plastic cups and, you know, there were some chairs, like like cafe-style tables set up in the road, but we were advertising, telling people to bring a lawn chair, bring a wagon, bring your stroller, Yeah. you know, bring your kid, bring your dog. You know, the same people who used to buy, pay cover to see sleepers at sale at the hideaway or (laughs) L3 in their 20s yeah. or in their teens are yeah. now probably having dogs and babies. Yeah, and yeah. we're like, you're still invited. Bring them, you know? yeah. Let's go. Like, we're, we're not done. We, you know, we, we spent a lot of time... I spent 10 years trying to run away from all this. Right. And it caught me. Yeah. And we're back. So come on, like, get out here, have a beer or not. Yeah. Have a water or not. Enjoy some tunes. Yeah. And everyone's welcome. So it was cool. The thing that stinks out for me about that whole day was everyone was just so happy that there was live music again it had been such a drought for so long and like whether or not people just happened to be in the area or something that just made the day awesome and yeah it's just like a really good vibe it was just everyone was just happy and getting along and happy to feel normal actually i might as well plug that if um if you were to follow the particle sound Mm -hmm. underscore official on Instagram, yeah. Uh, if you looked at our feed, there was a post, you know, shortly after this event. Um, we were lucky enough to have Jay Ashcroft with um, Ashcroft Media. He did like a compilation video of the day. Oh, cool! Um, so it features. Um, it's overdubbed with a performance by Jin, who was the headliner. Yeah. And it has some footage of different artists performing. It's got footage of the, the, the street that day, and the, I think it really accurately captures the vibe of what we tried to create and yeah. what we hope to recreate yeah. this yeah, that's year. Awesome. Um, so if anybody's at all interested in this downtown block party idea, downtown block party idea, then you could look it up on our Instagram, see the video. It's about a minute or two minutes long, and it it's just it's great. Check it out. And, and shout out to uh, Ashcroft for yeah. putting that together for us, and uh, that's a massive tool for us to try to... Uh, translate the message of what, what we want to achieve down there. yeah absolutely you guys that you guys have any uh plans for an ep for the the neon cowboy project is that is that in the works or yeah that whole uh side of the music industry has changed a lot and we're adapting yeah. with it uh and it's a gift and a curse for sure we were just talking about this earlier like there's nothing stopping you from just releasing as much music as you want yeah. on your own schedule and I mean, people's attention span isn't what it used to be. I think we're definitely on the same page where we totally miss the concept of, like, 
albums and yep. interludes and yeah. intros and outros and for, for me, hidden songs. I, I miss <laughs> buying a compact disc yeah. and reading the booklet yeah. for the lyrics while I'm listening. And, you know, that experience is not something that young people understand. No. So we've thought about the idea of... As, as the particle sound, we're trying to kind of guide the releases of Brett Friesen and Adderclyff and now um, Casey Baker, Neon Cowboy. With this, at least at this early stage where we're in our infancy, we're a year old, we're kind of thinking of dropping singles. The single route, yeah. Because ultimately all these projects are relatively unknown to the greater public. Yep. And we think it would probably be a mistake to ask for them to invest in 12 songs. It makes sense time-wise or financially, right? So yeah. it's kind of like, you look, here's three minutes, see what you think. Yeah. And if you like that three minutes in six weeks, there's another new three minutes coming out of a different song. Yeah. And uh, at least for now, as we're trying to build yeah. and grow, that seems like the right approach. Um, for the life of me, I would love nothing more than be putting out vinyl. Yeah. And have physical copies of mm, everything you yeah. do. Have a full 12-track mm-hmm. e- or LP ready to go. But, I mean... We're building this. We I think we have most of the songs mapped out, but we're completing them as we go. So yeah. um, basically, w- when you see something come out online, there's maybe one or two in the works behind it. Right. By the time they get out, the next one or two are. Yeah. And it, it allows us to stay active, stay relevant. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the Netflix thing where you drop a whole season and people might binge it. Yeah. And if we did that, they might be interested in that artist, and you get a little buzz for mm-hmm. four or five weeks. But then the internet has flooded you with a hundred. Completely million. forgotten. Right, yeah, you're gone. So I think there's some ad, ad, it's advantageous or there's benefit to dropping singles here and there along the while to stretch it out. Yeah. Because if you continue to please the people that are on board now, mm-hmm. there might generate some word of mouth that blends to new listeners. Yeah, I think it changes mm-hmm. how you make music too. And like we were talking about this earlier too, like our sleeper set sales full-length album like how long did it take from start to finish to record like record track mix master like months and months and months let alone writing it yeah from the start of writing the first time song to having a finished product was like a year process yeah so now i think it's also that's why it's a gift and a curse but it's good for the artist too because you don't gotta sit around and wait for a year you can always be excited about the next song and there's nothing stopping you from like you said starting a bunch of them getting them this close and then it's just a scheduling thing of when to put them out i think uh yeah it's a whole different generation if we were doing that now i remember us going through that too and like writing a new song in the jam space and being so excited to play it but we're like we gotta wait until it's part of this but nowadays it's like so go play it i can distinctly remember you know (laughs) When you're on tour as a band supporting an album, you need to support that album, yep. right? So it was, it felt like a really big step to try to introduce new music in yeah. your set. At least for us, I know that not everybody was like that, but it was hard. We had like a, a kind of organized live show yeah. that we, we were touring all the time. Yeah. You can't just switch it up that quickly. There's a lot of technical stuff that we did with tunings and effects pedals. And yeah. the, the show had to make sense and it had to be uh, like logistically playable mm-hmm. um so we couldn't just introduce new stuff and yeah it's a, would you say that's like one of the biggest difference between playing back then and playing nowadays is that whole attention span shift i think on the music side of things 
whether subconsciously or not, it's just changed music in general, general, the attention span. Like, what was the average length of any song back then was, like, the shortest song you would see was, like, three and a half minutes. Three, yeah. In our, like, genre, yeah. right? Now it's, like, the longest song yeah. is two and a half yeah. minutes. Yeah. So yeah. People are putting the hooks right at the beginning of the song. It, yeah, that's yeah. true, too. Like, and... <laughs> We were notorious for like our intros were a minute and a half. Yeah, like, <laughs> Sleeper was so selfish. Like that. Was just so fun. I missed. I missed doing that. Um, but yeah, that's the curse side yeah. of it. Is people like modern music? It, I think it's not the reason for the atten- attention span urgency mm-hmm. that artists. You know the reason why they're worried about that. You need to hit them. You need to catch them. You need to hook them early. Yep. Is because of the oversaturation of the overpopulation of the community, right? There are a hundred million indie artists out there in every genre thinkable that are, you know, promoting themselves on Spotify and YouTube and Amazon and Apple and getting on the playlists and they're on Instagram and they're on Facebook and they're on Twitter. And there's a hundred million people. Every time you click that button saying, listen to me, you know, check me out. And, that's part of the reason why we wanted to have the particle sound exist as like a way to represent what we're doing as opposed to just being an indie artist saying me too. Yeah. Yeah. Or please me, you know, you know, whatever, yeah. and, you know, and banging on everyone's door, mm-hmm. shameless self-promotion all the time to try to represent ourselves as something bigger. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard because there's so much material out there from independent people that, it, you know, if you're not, if your song's not a banger in the first 12 seconds, like, ne- swipe, yeah. swipe, yeah. it's just next. Like, yeah. Last thing you can't like, even hate on it because I don't know about like, I'm just as guilty. Right. Like, that's same. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> the same way. You know what I mean? And it's hard. It's hard to, it's as a listener to navigate this world. How do I really find the stuff that's going to blow my head off? Yeah. And how, as an artist, how do I create the stuff that I can actually people will give me 30 seconds yeah to yeah. to evaluate whether or not i've touched the right buttons for them you know i think it's, it's the age old thing the distribution is what changed it the most because it's just astonishingly easy to get your music on spotify and stuff like that now for super cheap and it's really fast how it goes but that side of it i think changed the most and it's the age old thing of like <laughs> There's absolutely nothing stopping you from writing a song with a three and a half minute intro no. and then a, you know, a 15 minute song. Like, go ahead and do it. But every artist has in the back of their head, like, is anyone even going to make it to yeah. when the vocals start? Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, I think that's where people got to be honest. Like, me as a listener, would I even make it? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> I think... Yeah. It all goes back to uh, a great band that I used to reference when I have conversations like this is Radiohead. Yeah. A band that started by playing by the rules of commercial music success. Yeah. You know, their first two albums, uh, the Pablo Honey and then the Benz, mm-hmm. were structured songs, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end. Right? Yeah. And they mm-hmm. were, they they did the video thing. They, they, they stayed, you know, the path frequently traveled right the the structure of the way all of that came out and was presented to the world was the way we all expected it and the the albums were great the songwriting was great everything was great they became (laughs) a world superpower of a band oh yeah and then when they got that big and they had that you know allegiance behind them they started to say "Hmm, we're gonna build our own instruments to record our next record yeah and we're gonna record it this way and we're gonna release it this way and we're gonna 
film it that way. Mm-hmm. And where they started to just completely redefine, you know, by the time you got as far, I didn't came, you know, in rainbows, Radiohead. Yeah. Didn't have singles name, you know, I could, you know, remember high and dry when it came out and it was in mm. pop culture and yeah. it was in movies. It was on the radio. Now it's like Radiohead is its own sub culture. <laughs> kind of. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like they played by the rules to build the fans. Yeah. And once they had the fans, they said, peace out. Yeah. We're our own artistic genre. entity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on a much smaller scale, that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're right. Release some singles that are in a way that are aggressive in the, in the sense that there, there's some hooks. They're a little bit catchy. You're proud of your performance and try to gain some, some followers and gain some listenership, gain some, some people that are like passionately interested in what you're doing. Yeah. And then once you have their attention, that's when you can start to step outside the box. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think our kind of loosely written game plan for now. Yeah. We're probably just biased from our generation, but like the theme albums and stuff like Mars Volta and like at the drive and or stuff like that. Like, I, I know people are still making it, but I still listen to that stuff. Right. Exactly. It'll never give, change. Can't give it up. No. How many times did we listen to the Mars Volta touring with Sleeper? That was like infinite. I, it was your go-to record. It was a, it was a compact disc. Yeah. That was like just, you know, we had the book. Remember like back then we had the binder. of CDs. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're in the van. And, oh, no, and, you know, we would, yeah. argue, we would argue, we'd argue over, you know, who gets what's coming out next. But it's... Mars Volta was probably on every fourth or fifth. That's album. funny. Dillinger Escape Plan was in there Ooh. a lot. Oh, yeah. Fucking they're a great band. And we used to listen to all kinds of different stuff. But yeah. I remember Mars Volta was nonstop. My favorite thing at this age is rediscovering either a song or an album from a band that just somehow escaped my yeah. memory and right. then hearing it almost for the first time again like i just start like was i don't know how i stumbled up i was listening to some like glass jaw i'm like glass jaw was Ooh, fucking yeah. amazing yeah. they were really cool shredded like those just, song those vocal melodies and the power and stuff yeah. like and that sickening rhythm too like, oh my god like some of the bass grooves that happened on such a heavy level too like Especially oh, after time, incredible. I always think like maybe I was just hadn't been around music enough, so that's why I thought it was impressive. But now going back, I'm more impressed. Right, all that stuff seems like it was ahead of its time. Yeah, more so. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love awesome. rediscovering old stuff. I've been on a major Deftones kick. Oh, oh yeah. cool. Yeah, um, I never really let them go completely. Yeah, my rotation, but they are just it's, it's absolutely criminal what yeah. they're capable of it's yeah like, it's not fair they were paving uh, a so way for it. their sound with their sound too they oh. were doing lots for that genre so 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 dark yeah like it's exactly like i people might not see that comparison and when you listen to neon cowboy it's like you know i've got a little bit of a soft voice yeah and there's an acoustic basis for the songwriting but you know lyrically and you know mood and atmospherically, it's like you know, Deftones are a major influence. Yeah, completely. I can, I can feel that. It's a very like a lot of dark. Yeah. You know, wanting yeah. to push a lot of dark tendencies. It's funny how your influences come through years yeah. later, right? Eh? Yeah, it's funny. And I think mostly it's subconscious. You're like, oh, I'm gonna try to emulate Knife Party this time, and like, <laughs> I really like those certain notes. It's just that's what you listen to. Mm-hmm. It happens to me all the time. Yeah, I don't know that stuff. Uh, I love rediscovering, but I also really love rediscovering 
old local bands that we used to listen to and oh, stuff yeah. like that too. But that is hard. I didn't even tell you this. I don't know, no one's gonna know what I'm talking about, but Succession Movement. I, as soon as you said that, bro. As soon as you started this. When's the last time you I, heard? Do you have yeah. that their album? Yeah, uh, I don't know the name of the album, but I remember. You have a copy of We Need a Hill. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went online to a little record it? shop in Toronto and ordered it. It cost me like over fifty bucks or something with shipping <laughs> and stuff. But that one instrumental song, I'm like, I need to hear it. Yeah, I, it's not online. That's what I'm right. saying. A lot of local stuff just. You can't go online and find yeah. them. They were from like Jersey, I think. Yeah, were, something like that. I saw them for the first time at the Mind Bomb in St. Catharines in like 99. Oh, wow. And I was like, I bought their CD at the table that day and kept it. And I remember showing it to everybody. Like when Sleeper was developing, I was like, oh, you guys did, don't come to practice till you've heard this fucking record. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like a homework assignment. And now here, you know, this is 20 years it's later. He's crazy. like, remember but that band? That know? one instrumental song with like that crazy rhythm change and stuff like I could hear it in my mind, but there was no way to access it. I'm Couldn't like, I, need, it. I don't care what it costs. Yeah. I need to, and that's a shame. And there were so many amazingly talented local bands and stuff too that it, it's not on the internet. Yeah. If it's not on the internet, what do you do? And if you, there's not a hard copy left, like, I don't know. Yeah. What do you do? Some of that music is, yeah. I hate well, to say that. Like, is it just gone? That's why I'm so glad that we're finally doing what we're doing because all, all these ideas, some of the songs we're putting out right now yeah. for, for us were ideas that were in what we call the, the boneyard yeah when you're in a band and you've got songs that are developing that's the songs and then you've got the boneyard where you keep the ideas or riffs right that you want to like oh when when the right time comes or you suddenly realize that you know article b in the boneyard and article f in the boneyard are in the same key maybe we put them together you know the boneyard is where you store all your stuff yeah and your you know and some of a lot of what Neon Cowboys doing right now were Buffalo Center Casey Baker and the Buffalo Sinners was the Boneyard. Yeah, and it's like ideas that I could suddenly remember after twelve years of not right. opening that door. Yeah, they're coming back, and now they're developing better and finishing fuller, and it's an interesting deal. When uh, when do you think the last time you guys played a show together together, and maybe even separately? When was the last time you guys played a show? Last time we played together yeah. would have been the last Sleeper Set Sail show, like our farewell show. Oh, yeah? Um, which was at L3 Nightclub, and that would have been in 2005 or six. Yeah. 2006, maybe. So that's that, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember years anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I, the Neon, Neon Cowboy played in October for an Oktoberfest show at the Mansion House in St. Cool. And you guys played the... Also, the the block, rock the block too, right? Did you guys do that? The, like the you, downtown block. Park. Yeah, yeah. You guys played that as well. Yeah, I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. I, I played that solo. Uh, I'm still in the works of getting an actual band ready to go for stage stuff. Yeah. Hopefully, 2022 can do that. Yeah. And what was the last time you played live? I got a project going with my girlfriend now called Sign Language. S I N E. We do like some indie pop, like electronic stuff. Our stuff's online too. Uh, you could check it out. Sign Language Club. But we got a sweet uh, gig at Lock Street Brewery in Port Dalhousie. Oh, cool. And we played there every Sunday this summer when lockdown permitted. And we just played a couple weeks ago for like their Valentine's Day Nice. Thing. But it was really... And that's the first time I've ever uh, delved into playing some cover tunes and stuff and kind of putting our own spin on it, which that's weird. Yeah, I've never... All those years, it never crossed my mind to A, just to do it, or B, that it would be in 
enjoyable or like you could make it your own and like but it's really fun like (laughs) yeah the last two like watching brett friesen very good friend of mine unbelievable songwriter unbelievable stage presence performer singer um he, he was kind of making his bread and butter off the cover circuit and the wineries. Mm-hmm. And I've been out to see him a hundred times and every single time I'm like, I need to start learning covers. Like it's, he makes them completely his own and spins them and can, you can find a way to put yourself into them. And yeah. it's like, I don't know how have I been playing music for 20 years and I've never done covers. Yeah. Never. I, 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 <laughs> I, I got to figure it out. That's changed too. And I, maybe it's just coming of age, but, it never crossed anyone's mind to, I mean, maybe you would throw us, in. It was like sacrilegious. Oh yeah, time. absolutely. Right. Like we, we got all these ideas of our own. Why would we? Why would we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we considered cover bands were like a different, they were like bizarro world. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, we were coming from the, the surge of Niagara mm-hmm. in the 2003, 2004 time period. You had like Jude the Obscure, um, Alexis on Fire was blowing up at that time. They were huge. Um, the Bedlam Society was kind of running the show circuit. So yeah. we had unbelievable talent rolling through here that were all original, hardcore, and like post-punk bands. And yeah. it was like, you know, how who the hell's going to go play Tom Petty? Yeah. Uh, you know, at a, at, a, at a pub. Yeah. No, no, we're better. We thought we were, we were too cool for that, right? <laughs> That's then exactly you get older and you're just like, holy shit. Like, how good is, first of all, how good is Tom fucking Petty? Yeah. <laughs> second of all, you know, no one's gonna, you know, if you want to make a couple bucks, like that's a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's totally noble, and it's if you're a talented person and you put your spin on it and enjoy what you're doing, the song is to touch people. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. a nostalgia about all that stuff. And yeah, so I, I want so badly to figure out my way in there. I just don't, <laughs> don't know how to start. I think you just gotta start. It's and that's the same thing too. You gotta put yourself in the shoes of just like any random person that's there. It's. I, what would you want to hear if someone put a cool spin on an old song from your childhood it's just like that's going to grab your attention more yeah it's just funny that that it, we it never came up in discussion that we could play cover gigs or even cover songs or yeah that's something we it wasn't even a thought no but not allowed no not at all <laughs> and i think that's changed a lot too with youtube i mean it's really done it for that like everyone just makes a name for themselves by covering songs and stuff but you can't hate on it because it's when if someone just tries their best to cover a song exactly how it is, I'm like, yeah, I get it. And like, you know, tribute bands and stuff. Right. I totally get it. And it's impressive and everything. But when someone really puts their own spin on something yeah. or slows it down, like really drastically changes it and changes the key and stuff like yeah. that, I'm like, it's almost cooler to hear one of those songs yeah. in a new light. It's interesting. It's, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So you guys explained how you know where we're at now uh, with uh, with you guys and a bit of the history. But what's the origin? Where did you guys? When did you get Sleeper Set Sail? How did it come about? How did you guys meet? So I went to Dennis Morris High School in St. Catharines. Yeah. Um, grade nine math class. I sat down next to a real quiet guy who smelled like the smoke hole. Yeah. <laughs> and his name is Trevor Speechley. Okay. Um, we actually, I invited him to come today, but yep. he was occupied. He had like a work thing he couldn't get out of. But, yeah. Um, anyway, Trev and I kind of started to hit it off. He's a bass player. Uh, I had been a guitar player. Um, if we, uh, a, a guy named Tom, who's in our grade, was a drummer. Uh, and then we had another guitar player for the first uh, recording and release that we did. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was a switch made and, and Mike joined. 
Actually, that guitar player's name is Rich. He's now playing with um, Sam Coffey. Oh, really? In the Iron Lungs? Lungs? Yeah. Yeah, he's a bass. He's the bass player. Really? Yeah. Funny, like six six degrees of Niagara. It's funny how that happens, eh? Um, His name is Rich. Um, Really good guy. Um, But there was a switch made from from Rich to Mike. Um, But it was cool because Mike was younger than us. Yeah. So I was like on my way out of high school. And Mike was kind of on his way in. And he was playing in a band. Um, but we kind of had a little bromance going on. I don't know, like an older brother kind of thing yeah, at the time. Way, but... Which is funny because now Mike teaches me more about music than I could. Yeah. But for that, for about a year at that time, before he blew past me. The switch. It was me being like, hey, bud, like, what's up? And we, we would hang out and talk and talk about music. And uh, I said, we're going to need you in the band. Yeah. And he joined the band. And then I think I can recall going into a meeting in Den- at Dennis Morris High School when you were still in grade 11 or 12 because we were going on tour. Wow. I, like, his mom had called, and I went in to talk to, like, the principal. And yeah. Like, These are our tour dates. This is our booking agent. This is our record label. This, you know, Mike's going to have to take some time off school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they okayed it. I and can't believe came, they okayed yeah, it. I can't believe that, eh? And uh, we, were, we were on the road. <laughs> That's awesome. super cool. Yeah. There's a lot of false promises. Their whole thing was like, okay, well, you're not going to miss any of the curriculum, so you got to take all these books, and you got to do this chapter, this chapter. <laughs> Never. Of course oh, not. Yeah, no. yeah. i got to go. Uh, you guys can uh, party tonight. I'm going to you know, finish up my yes, history. No, that never happened. <laughs> I didn't even bring them. Be- <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, of course. No. I think it was like, Boiled down a bit. Are we bringing the merch or are we bringing Mike's school bus? Yeah, like, we nah. only have room yeah. for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, okay. That's great. Yeah. You guys still have any sleeper side sale merch laying around? Not Anything ch- I can nab? I, dude, first of all, yeah, the amount of merch we made, like manufactured and sold, yeah. was a lot. Yeah. And I don't even have one of them left over. No, eh? No, I don't Did you guys know. press vinyl of that record? No. No, eh? No. Rats. Unfortunately not. I was in that in-between phase. Like it was the CD. No like, one was really. Because MySpace was like the thing. Yeah. yeah. And and if you grabbed a CD, then like you, you were a fan of the band. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 That was it. Well, we we had some distribution through Sonic Onion, so the CD was in stores through like there was a store called Hot Topic. Yeah. Which is like like I don't know uh, how would you describe them? They're like kind of like a goth store. Yeah. It's like, yeah. They, you know, they sold like fishnet Novelty. stockings. Yeah. <laughs> fishnet stockings and heavy metal records. Yeah. And our CD was in there throughout the states. And, yeah. Um, we were carried in like some HMVs and stuff. Imagine, remember when HMV was a store? Yeah. Weird. Weird. Now it's Sunrise. Could, yeah. Yeah. You could get the uh, the the hard copy like that way at yeah. the time. Nowadays, I don't know. Yeah. You, yeah I don't know where it is. Just, just go online. Find, find it. Yeah. Find it. Now, is there any chance uh, that a sleeper set sale reunion could ever happen? Any any singles coming out or? Okay, want to answer this question on three together? One, two, three. No. no. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. No, we we talked about this too, and we've talked about it a few times. The logistics of this is just me personally, but I I don't know the songs. Oh. <laughs> I don't, it's that and, long, right? Pretty much all of song. our songs were in a different tuning and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere for me to ask someone how to play it. Like, <laughs> well, I, I could learn I, them. I, I have, I'd have to learn them, and then I'd have to teach Mike. Wow. And then we'd have to figure out get we'd have to find the drummer. Right. And yeah. And we'd have to find a space. A lot of work, right? For we don't own that equipment. The equipment was different. The 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 tones and the sound were different. Yeah, makes uh, sense. Uh, it's not. Like Mike's a producer now. Yeah. You know, 
He's not a guitar player. Wears a different band. hat, right? It's yeah. not. And, and when's the last time you were a guitar player in a rock band? Sleeper Set Sail. Yeah, absolutely. So two thousand five. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's not. It's. Uh, it would take me that. longer to relearn those songs than it did to like write them. Like I. Yeah. And that's crazy. Wait, life jacket or something? How many times did we actually play practice and like at least three thousand, four thousand, <laughs> five thousand? I can't remember the first note. I don't know how to, my hands, like, it's, it's, so, that is, that. <laughs> it's so, crazy. <laughs> for, for anybody who's absolutely, you know, emotionally attached to whatever Sleeper did. Sure. 15 years ago. First of all, thank you. That's awesome. Right. I appreciate that. And that's what we wanted it to do at the time. You know, we wanted that music to touch people. That's always been uh, a steady issue anything i've written yeah the idea is to hit people yeah like, like let's go i want to write emotionally driven songs that have an impact on a listener uh so if, if we achieve that for you awesome we did what we meant to do but uh yeah there, there, there may be an opportunity <laughs> you know a couple of those songs maybe sneaking their way as a cover cool. into neon cowboy yeah uh at Oktoberfest, i did do an acoustic cover of life jacket nice because i had a couple old buddies that came out of the woodwork they wanted, yeah they, you know guys who used to be super fans who snuck out from their wives and babies and dogs to come <laughs> to the merch, uh, mansion house yeah. that night. So I threw in a, a life jacket cover for them. Nice. There might be more where that came from, but I think that would be about as as much as any kind of sleeper nostalgia is going to go. Cool.
on to some anecdotes. So let's talk about some of the wildest stories you have from being in a band, whether it's on the road, in the studio, you know, at a show, anything in between. Everything was wild. <laughs> it really was. Like looking back, especially to put into perspective, like our age at the time. Like how how were we in these situations? Like we were just sleeping in strangers' basements and yeah. stuff. But like at that age, like their parents were there sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes there'd yeah. be two bands. I remember a couple times it was like, uh, what? What would that be? 12, 13 men at like <laughs> yeah. in a basement, and their parents are like, oh, morning, guys. I'm like, yeah. would that happen now? Like, are people that welcoming? And this in the middle of nowhere. We just met them that night. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> everything was. It was strange. New. It's like... strange now <laughs> in retrospect. At the time, it was normal. Right. You know, there was like a booming indie rock scene yeah. or, or metal rock, you know. Um, every city had that crowd. We could, we, we'd go play London, we'd play Windsor, we'd play Montreal, we'd play Quebec City, and there would be, you know, over a hundred people, no matter where we went. Mm -hmm. And you hit it off with one or two, and hey, you know, if we could avoid spending money on a motel, then yeah, like some, some a band house, yeah, or you know, some some student house that had a couple <laughs> couches, and we'd just figure it out. Though I was normally relegated to the van because that was when my snoring issues began. Oh no! Just, Don't remind me. Yeah. Oh my god! I forgot. <laughs> I'm not sleep in the van all the time. Man. That's, that's my role in the band too. I, I'm, I'm a huge snorer, and uh, yeah. I, they I have to work the logistics around it. Right? It's They're like, good. all right, so you're in this room because you snore. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. I can I can remember like in like winter months too. Like they, some days I was just voted right out of the motel room or whatever, and I would put on like a couple pairs of sweatpants two or three hoodies and get the sleeping bag going on the, the bench seat in the van and uh, I'd, I'd like run the van for a half hour get the heat yeah, and then yeah. shut it off and then try to go to sleep and just because I, I would get kicked out was a total, <laughs> that's a funny issue. Yeah. Yeah. but uh, in terms of stories I, <laughs> I had brought one up to you earlier that I thought was super funny that was um, might have been the last the last tour we did when we were in the states and uh, we Sleeper as a band played New York three times. Oh, cool! And playing New York is different. And you know, as a band, it's a milestone, right? And you're thinking to yourself, like, this is a big. It's, we we got to kick ass tonight. Like, yeah, this is New York, New York. You know, it's not. I'm trying to think. You know, Tecumseh, yeah, Ontario. You know, it's like something. It's, <laughs> oh it's substantial. You yeah, go back home and tell people that you had a good show. Mm -hmm. So, um, they were always very important. Uh, on this particular occasion, we had driven into the city which is in itself an experience. So driving a big van or a van and trailer full of gear mm -hmm. through Manhattan is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no, I can't imagine. Uh, and you're new to the, you don't know where you're going. Or whatever. Yeah. We're looking for this venue that we were booked to play. And uh, we thought we were, we were on the street, the right street. And we kind of like looking at the numbers and the number didn't work. You know, it's like, you know, it went from 12 to 16 and we were looking for 14 or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously the numbers were bigger than that. It was right. City, <laughs> to give you an example, we couldn't see the number that matched the address we needed. Yeah. And it, we were in the spot, but the address didn't exist. Like, what, what are we doing? What? It's like disappeared into a vortex. Like, what's going on? <laughs> There's a black hole? Like, where's the fucking venue? <laughs> so we went around the block a couple of times and we were like, which is, you know, it took an hour. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. And you finally like, get there and we just pulled over and we like, kind of got out, stretched our legs. I think we had driven from 
Philadelphia or something like that to get there. Yeah. And um, parked the van. We're, out, we're looking around on the sidewalk, scratching our heads, looking at skyscrapers all around us. <laughs> and then this grate on the sidewalk, just kind of like you start to hear this, a creaking noise like at the end of the Michael Jackson thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like spooky, spooky <laughs> creaking noise. And the fucking gate opens up and a dude crawls out like a fucking ninja turtle and is like, hey, are you guys in the band? And we're like, we're like, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're in the band. And he's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm Tony or whoever. I'm from the venue. And I'm like, what venue? And he yeah. goes, well, it's down here, man. And I'm like, down there? And and we look and there's, he, there's a fucking hole in the sidewalk, like a you know like a subway grate. Yeah. And there's a ladder made of wood. And he's like, the venue's down here, man. And so we like, well, I don't know who I don't. How remember. was that loading? I, that's that was what I, I don't remember who was the first to go in and make sure it was a real venue, and not like a like an organ harvesting guy. thing or whatever. You know, like, somebody went in and checked what was going on, and there was like a room about the size, like a twelve by fifteen room, like. Like a bedroom. Yeah. Un- under the sidewalk <laughs> in New York City. And there was a PA. And there was a... Bu- everything was... Like, all the walls were blacked out with, like, posters all over. And it stunk like piss and yeah. booze. And we said, okay, this is the venue. So we... I think we ended up... We waited for other bands to start showing up. That were Some of them were local. Like, New York guys. Okay. So, listen. Like, we're here from Ontario, Canada. Like, if we all put our gear in there, there's no room for people. So do you guys want to like share a back line? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we'll take one, everyone can have a cabinet and we'll have one bass rig and we'll have one drum set and we can all kind of like get the show going. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, all right. No problem. We were like, okay, cool. So we ended up lowering equipment down through this fucking hole in the sidewalk, down a ladder. <laughs> like pretty good like visual. Four, 12 cabinets. <laughs> like Trev played like an Ampeg, like eight, 10 cabinet at the time. Like, I don't even know what we did. I don't remember how we got gear in there, what we did. I remember looking down and a guy was on the receiving end. Like, <laughs> but anyone walking by would be like, "What? The what is going on? <laughs> so weird! Are they right? robbing this van?" <laughs> yeah. and so we set up a backline and we played and like we played hard that night because it kind of it had like a CBGB's kind of feel. Sure, and they're like, you're, you're underground. It, for the record, it <laughs> was for the yeah. turtles. Yeah, it, it was not CBGB's for the record. <laughs> yeah, we, we weren't that important. But yeah, I don't remember the name of it. I don't remember the name of the people. I, I highly doubt it had band. a name. Yeah. <laughs> But we played a show for probably fifty or sixty people in New York City that night. Wow! And we sweat our bags off, and we like we played hard, and we thrashed, and we like gave it one hundred twenty percent. And it's one of the most memorable for me, just because you know, like how else, how better could you explain New York City? Yeah, really. The real estate crisis of New York City is that we had to do indie shows in a hole in the ground on the sidewalk <laughs> in Manhattan. It was just crazy that's probably the wildest venue i've ever heard even from doing this show yeah, I yeah. Don't, we should have took pictures or something like it didn't exist it wasn't there, <laughs> there. Can't find it nowadays. <laughs> we'll find it nowadays yeah, no, gone no but yeah it turned out to be a really fun show yeah, and a good. really good I think we experience should, we might have sold four t-shirts that night yeah, yeah out of the van though because yeah. there's no space and it was always just an adventure man we were just like getting lost was fun and this is like to really date ourselves like we map quested shit man like yeah we printed out map quest we didn't have a gps we didn't have smartphones no, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. getting so, lost text messaging was happening i think was new yeah but, but still, it, was, it was that t9 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah we had to print all the map quests at home before we leave on the tour it took you a half yeah. hour just to say what's up to your buddy oh, for sure. oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah just always get lost we always somehow made it to where we were going on 
time, you know what I mean? We were driving halfway across the country. Where's uh, the furthest you ever played? Geographically, what would the... Uh, east so Coast is yeah, far. We did the East, like, we were, our typical routine was to go through the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, so it would be, that'd be like Halifax, uh, sometimes Sydney, and always uh, Charlottetown, PEI. Oh, cool. I don't think we ever made it to the Rock, like Newfoundland. Right. So far, really farthest east would be Prince Edward Island, I guess. Cool. Farthest south would probably be... Delaware. I don't know. Whatever's <laughs> further south between New York, Philly, and Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to look at a map. Yeah. We never went Good like question. deep into the States, but kind of <laughs> northeastern seaboard. Right. And then uh, from a west coast direction, uh, I was lucky enough... Um, while playing with City and Color, I did one tour as a member of City Color and one tour as a opening support act for City and Color. Oh, and cool. both of those occasions, uh, played like Edmonton, Calgary. Nice. I never made it past the mountains, so. No. So, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Any more anecdotes from uh, playing in shows and working with bands? Hmm. Well, I tell you one thing. I don't know if I ever came out and said this, but. Driving and like being a passenger in a van when he was driving was fucking terrifying. <laughs> You're not a good driver. I don't know. I mean, we never totaled it or anything, but like we had the shittiest old van in the world. Oh, okay. and it was like already old and needed work. Like we knew it and stuff. And every time it was like he was trying to break his record for how fast we can get back from london or we can get back he, uh, he was really like so, oh i got back in an hour and a half i'm like you're not supposed to yeah, you're yeah. pushing this fucking, so, let alone in the winter man yeah, yeah. every time we got where i was going i was just like shook <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean a bit of a lead foot maybe sure yeah. but i mean we got there yeah in one piece yeah I didn't know that like a 1986 GMC rally with 300,000 kilometers on it wasn't supposed to go 140, filled with four adults and, and all of their a trailer. Gear, pulling a trailer. I didn't know. <laughs> it worked out. But you made it work. So sometimes I, we did blow through a couple transmissions. Or no, we blew oh, the motor. Yeah. We, blew, we blew the motor in meatloaf. Yeah. That was our red van. Mm-hmm. And we blew the tranny in um, the one before that. Yeah, I guess that's a. A story too, man. Like that's the thing. It's funny to look back at all this stuff and like laugh at your own pain and stuff. But like, shit happens, man. Like we were stuck in a shitty motel in Kingston for like three or four days and nights with nothing to do because the van was like, oh no, getting looked at and stuff. And like it's super expensive and all this stuff. The tranny dropped in in Kingston. Yeah, we were on Sonic Onion, so we called them. It was their van. They were like. It was the van. Yeah. So we're like, hey, your van's no good. Can you rent us one? Or like, what are we doing? They're like, oh, we're, we're going to get it fixed. We're like, we weren't like mechanical people. No. So we were like, okay, a transmission sounds like a, probably a pretty big repair. Yeah. So it was like four days and we had to catch up to the tour after it was fixed. Ooh. But for those four days, we were just stranded in a motel in Kingston. Oh, that's going to suck. With no money. Like, we didn't want to spend our money because we we're like, still had to catch up to the tour and like spending mm-hmm. extra days in the hotels not yeah. free right so yeah we went through like remember we were just the cinnamon toast crunch mm-hmm. marathon we just ate boxes of cereal <laughs> <laughs> oh the banana dog too right? oh yeah so you have you heard of the, are you familiar with the banana dog i'm not the banana dog it doesn't apply to myself because i have an allergy to peanuts okay but right. the guys in the band when we were like really bad for money or we didn't have like f- rider food or whatever. Yeah. They would stop at a grocery store and they'd buy a bag of hot dog buns and a bunch <laughs> of bananas and a jar of peanut butter. 
And okay. You put peanut butter on the on the hot dog bun, and then the banana inside. Yeah. And that is a banana dog. Nice. Which is high protein, and like great, great value for a touring band that can also looks hilarious. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, mm. What's your when you guys are on the road? What's your go-to gas station snack when you're uh, when you got to pull over and stop? What's the go-to thing that you need to grab? Whatever's on clearance that they got to get. Yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> clearance food. Yeah. I was a Doritos guy, yeah. but I'm not a cheeseburger guy. Okay, you know, not every not gas stations don't always have cheeseburgers. No, nah, combos. Yeah, you're missing out. I could just live the on combos. combos. Yeah, yeah combos that's all guy. I ever wanted in life. <laughs> <laughs> craziness yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember too like it's all starting to come back to me when you think about it. but like yeah just getting lost and being in a weird place and me and tom like skateboarded everywhere and like what a great way to find skate spots i went like all across the country in these weird little neighborhoods and stuff and like just skating and i don't know i don't know how much we should get into detail but what's interesting to me looking back is like we didn't drink a lot we didn't there were no drugs there was no like there was no nothing. It was just like kids having fun. We, for sleepers at sale was a clean deal. Yeah, much, yeah. It was all on the up and up, and everyone like, it oh. just wasn't a that prevalent. I don't think. Yeah. We even drink. I shouldn't say like I oh, wasn't I even drinking age, and like it, it happened we, here we, and there, but it wasn't like I can't remember being like out of control mm-hmm. and like sloppy. I made up for that with the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Played catch-up. <laughs> yeah. Things, yeah. Anyway. Do you have any uh, pre-show rituals that you guys do that before you guys played or, or that you had? Or? Usually take a shit and, <laughs> and yeah, puke yeah. because you're nervous yeah. depending on the show that oh, was mine oh yeah that's always consistent you're like i got a shit and you're like i ate well and it's still bad like or i didn't eat at all yeah. where is this coming yeah from? exactly we usually used to huddle before every show yeah especially what was funny about it is we do it even at like the worst most shithole shows where mm. nobody was there mm-hmm. and we would have to huddle and we'd say okay guys this is it it's the real thing <laughs> and it would be funny because sometimes it was not. <laughs> you know, you know. It was quite But it was not. the same speech every every night on stage, regardless of the venue, regardless of the crowd. <laughs> and so when we had good nights, it was it was fun. It was you know, good. When, when we got up big opportunities. And when, when it was bad, it was just funny. It was just funny. Here's a story I just remember before we get too far. Remember when I got battery acid in my eye? <laughs> How did you get battery acid in your because eye? Because I'm an idiot, and we were sitting outside the gig afterwards or something, and like all the nine volt batteries from my from pedals. Pedals. Yeah. From I was just like bored. I was sitting was on a curb, tapping. and I was just smashing it with a rock or something. I didn't know. What. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see what's inside a battery. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, I still don't know if that would happen. What propelled oh, it? Like uh, it was. Several know. feet away and just right into my eye. That was in. Mon- you read your science books on <laughs> yeah. tour. You was, yeah, true. <laughs> the physics one. <laughs> that was in. Moncton, I just remember that. Moncton, New Brunswick. Uh-huh. Moncton, yeah, yeah, I've played there before. Yeah, Moncton. Yeah, Moncton. <laughs> Is that home of the magnetic hill? I think. That's right. Moncton, yeah. Where you like go up the hill and it takes like you, it, but it's you, like it, you roll. Yeah, up the it's hill. just a like yeah. a, a gimmick. Yeah, yeah, it's an illusion. It's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I think that's cool too there was just certain cities towns and stuff on the east coast like wherever and between here and there that like every city has its own scene yeah. and like various degrees of like enthusiasm for the scene but some cities you go to and just like it's like 
everybody is just loves every band and everyone loves music and there's they could don't even have to have heard of the bands they just show up and there's hundreds of people there and they're yeah. all excited and stuff yeah then at that time i couldn't say that would be the case now who know you know <laughs> what happened i don't know i don't know i don't know if there's a scene anymore you know? yeah it's hard to tell you know is there a scene in St. Catharines, it's kind of spotty. I'd like yeah. to say that there is, but like, there's, I'm sure there's individuals that say like shows have been gone since, you know, whenever, right? Like, oh, oh wait, yeah. Nine. And it always oh, seems yeah. that the people seem to say that when they were in high school and they were enjoying music the most. Yeah. So like, somebody who was listening to music five years ago or like 2015 may have thought that that was the peak of the Niagara right, music scene. Right. Whereas like here we are, like I would say like yeah, when you guys were playing was like one of the the biggest times for Niagara and the bands. So it's kind of hard to tell is, is there a scene? I'd like to say that there are still lots of people who want to play the music in this area. Is it the exact same thing that you used to be? Yeah. No. And I think the internet's got a lot to do oh, with that. Yeah. Everyone can hear your tune at like you, Oh, you're in this On thing. Your phone. So you could just, it's yeah. like, it's a lot it's easier crazy. than, than going to the MySpace link. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. uh, or finding a CD that you've never, you know, you thought the artwork was cool or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I miss that too. But there were several times I went to shows at the hideaway and had never even heard of any of the bands. Yeah. And there was some that I'm just like, oh my God, I buy their CD and their t-shirts and everything. They're my new favorite band and stuff, but I wouldn't know they existed unless I just showed up. It was, was just my, about music. That yeah. was my favorite way to discover a band. Amazing. Yeah. Show up. I know nothing about this band. And sometimes I would go, I'm going to purposely not find anything out about this band right. because I want to see how they perform. Yeah. And if they blow me away, then we'll take it from there. If they yeah. don't, then yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was sweet. So that part of the scene, I don't know, because people are still, bands have fans and they'll go see their shows, but just to be a fan of music in general, I don't know. And that's changed a lot too. Like people go watch DJs and like like EDM type stuff and it's just not as, it's not a visual thing. There's no uh, instruments and stuff. The energy's it, not necessarily there. It was all, I, maybe that's changed too because back then I remember even like, on Bedlam Society forum or something, it was like, who are the best local musicians in each instrument and stuff? And everyone was like, this guy from this band's a really good bass player. This guy's from this, and like everyone was very aware of talent and yeah, what it was each a, person. It was, a, it was the fan base was educated. They knew what they were talking about. Involved, mm -hmm. like yeah. and genuine. It was that. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if how you ever build that again. You know? Yeah, it'd be crazy. It'd be awesome. Yeah, the internet cool. has a lot to do with that too. Like I. I truly think it'd be harder for someone to shred a guitar so amazingly now that it'll be as impressive as it was in those days when you just see the local guy like, yeah. wow. You know what I mean? Because there's nine-year-old kids that are shredding Eruption every day yeah. and like really good, like very talented, On but you just, exactly, it's just a thing. But before everyone's like, the respect for talent was just yeah. astonishing yeah. and sweet. So uh, if if let, let's say for this hypothetical, uh, because we'll put it that you're still playing music, let's say that Sleeper Set Sale hit the level of Metallica. You guys are selling arenas out. What's uh, the rock star dream rider? What's on the rider waiting for you in the green room? You got an unbelievable budget. Combos. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And banana dog. Yeah, <laughs> banana dogs. Oh, yeah, you can't, you can't get rid of the banana dogs. Doesn't matter how big you are. <laughs> I can't even uh, begin to think. I don't even know. 
Maybe a couch. <laughs> couch and a blanket. That's it, yeah. Just something just simple, just... some water. I feel like it'd be a lot of like sushi or something. Like We would have to consciously have healthy food there. Like now, hold on. Are we talking like now or let's say nowadays? Prime? But I'm just saying hypothetically because like you're not necessarily playing live music as much. Right. But in this hypothetical, let's say that you guys oh, are both okay. playing and what or doesn't have to be the same band live yeah. and you're as big as Metallica. What is the budget? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, same thing, same thing. Mountain of cheeseburgers. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, no. You got to think beyond that. Like you're thinking of like obviously a bunch of beer and a bunch yeah. of whatever and food and stuff. But like, we needed stuff like toilet paper and like <laughs> and a toothbrush. Like yeah, that kind of right, stuff yeah. would go a long way. Right. I say like a house coat, like a sweet robe. A a, <laughs> I'm a, you know what? I'm a slippers guy. I can't stand you brought your own slippers yeah, today. Actually for this for this filming I brought like a pair of flippy <laughs> Nice. Just because I don't like having my bare socks against floors. <laughs> Fair let enough. Alone, let alone my bare feet. Right, right. So I think I would probably demand that I had like luxurious some Gucci footwear, slips. Footwear, some Gucci slips. Yeah, oh, that's what I'm saying. yeah we're fresh. really splurging like, now. <laughs> fresh out of the box. Like I'd only ever wear them at that venue yeah. and then I'd leave them behind. Yeah, I'd throw them in the crowd. There you go. Know, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Right on. So I've only got one more question for you folks, but it is a big one. Yeah. Uh, I'll need it from both of you. Sure. Top five favorite artists of all time. If you can't give me five, three. Artists? <laughs> Just Bands, any genre? Any, anything? Anything. Impossible. It is tough. I think we might have touched on some of it. Wow. Like Tom Petty. There you go. You can go over like a standard, like just straight up rock and roll songwriter like Tom Petty. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Can't um, go wrong with that. Easier to say who influenced you the most. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah. Sure. Okay, you do your list. So, so Tom Petty. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Deftones. Yeah. 100%. Um, when I was growing up, um, or when, you know, I was about 14, I, I met Dallas. Um, yeah. And this was before, you know, he was just playing downtown St. Catharines. and. Mm-hmm. He kind of became like an older brother figure to me, and that's how I got intertwined with different stuff with him and playing with City and Color. And uh, he actually taught me songwriting techniques and some of the things that I still use now. That was super so cool. So I would have, you know, if we're gonna talk influence, he was kind of like a took me under his wing in 1999. Wow. And I'm up and you know for about 10 years thereafter, we were close, and he had an impact on things I was doing. Nice. Uh, so him, and then. Um, I think three you said I could get yeah, away with. Yeah, you can right? get away with three. So, what was maybe, that? I think Mike Da Silva might be on the list as well, too, because there he's, you go. Uh, he's incredible. Incredible artist. <laughs> yeah. No, realistically, you were a huge influence on me. I don't know if I ever came out and said that either, but like, Sleeper was a band like that I was super into and very mm-hmm. excited about. Like, me joining Sleeper wasn't just meeting some dude. That would be like joining Metallica, like joining mm-hmm. an established band. Right. I was like, it was beyond what I thought could happen, so it was really sweet. So that was obviously a huge influence on my musical journey. Um, <clears throat> but I listen to all sorts of different stuff. I've go, gone through a lot of phases, but Mike's, Mike goes deep. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Buckley. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. Good call. Good call. It, it, it's different artists for different reasons. Jeff Buckley was like the most. Uh, could still I oh. most of his stuff I can't listen to without crying like the most yeah. emotional Very. sincere yeah 
not even the most polished or anything just like that stands out to me mm-hmm. yeah i got sorry some popped in my head yeah go that i should have said is my all-time like possibly favorite band from like an indie circuit yeah i met them as people because we toured together but then i i've gone on to listen to everything they put out since and is a band called lady hawk out of british columbia oh cool um lady hawk go find them all right they're, they're you heard it probably my favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. jeff buck yeah that was a big one and then like Lil Wayne, man, like nice. Seriously, like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. feel that. For sure. Um, mm. yeah, like all sorts of different stuff. Tool, Tool is huge because when I was just playing drums and stuff, that's how I got into. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough. It's a big question. question. Yeah, it's hard. No. That's fine, though. You named a couple of Yeah, lots. that's good. Cool. Enough. All right. Well, I think we can end it there, folks. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining yeah. me today on Banecdotes. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, want to let the listeners and viewers know where they can find all the social medias, uh, if you want, if you have anything else that you have left to pl- uh, plug, uh, feel free to. Right. Uh, so together we've created The Particle Sound. They can be f- That could be found on Instagram at The Particle Sound Official. Um, that'll be information that pertains to Brett Friesen, a uh, Niagara-based songwriter, Adderclyffe, a Niagara-based singer-songwriter, and Casey Baker, Neon Cowboy, uh, who are all housed under there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, I got separately from that, I got the Casey Baker, Neon Cowboy Instagram. Uh, you can look up Case Bake. Nice. Case Bake on Instagram to follow that stuff. And then Mike's got... Uh, yeah, my group with my girlfriend is Sign Language. It's at Sign Language Club, again, S-I-N-E. And you can find me on Instagram, mad.beat. That's my little producer. Mad.beat. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Keep right in on. touch. Yeah, thanks awesome. so much for having us. This yeah, awesome. thank you for coming on. We appreciate <laughs> it. We're cool. Super excited. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, we'll end it there then. Darling, won't you join me out here?